Welcome to RLF Radio, the only show that helps young baseball players and their parents prepare for high school athletics and beyond. Brought to you by the Ryan Lemon Foundation, with your hosts, Dick Owens, Guy Lemon. Good evening, this is Guy Lemon, and thank you all for tuning in. Um, if you listened to us last week, you know that... Uh, we had the opportunity to have two really terrific professional baseball guys here, Bobby Gould and Jimmy Fergosi, and they were nice enough to make it back again this week. So, Bobby and Jimmy, both of you, thank you for coming back. Um, we're going to get into a lot more of the detail, and those of you that may not have heard last week, I'll just very quickly let you know that between the two of them, there's over 60 years of major league or professional baseball experience, both as a player, a scout, um, a coach, travel ball, and everything else. And so these guys have got a... a, a tremendous encyclopedia of knowledge and and that knowledge for tonight's discussion is going to relate to everything about a young man potentially getting drafted what that entails what a scout team is what a travel team is why do it one way or another and, and maybe the first one and i'll throw this out to, to the both of you and i'm here with dick owens and dick will jump in and correct me when i do something wrong or I, you, you never do anything wrong not yet. <laughs> um, what's, what's a guess? I, I don't know. Players that have been drafted over the last three years out of Orange County, what would you guess at the high school level on an annual? 5, 10, 20? What, what do you figure the number of guys that come out of Orange County that get drafted out of high school? I, I would say that out of, you know, every team drafts 50 rounds. So I would I, I would have to assume, I, I've been out of the amateur side for a few years, but I, I would I would say that out of, Orange County, there's probably five or six a year at least that get drafted in pretty well, high that's sign. That's yeah, sign. That's, that's sign. sign. Um, the number that's drafted is higher, but not all the kids sign how, every draft. How many are playing in the majors, you think, from California at this point? Do you have any guess what it might be? My guess is just because, uh, you know, I read media guides and stuff, and I look where they're from, I would have to say, I mean, this guesstimate is 10% of the major leaguers are from California. California. And northern and southern, or just Both. mainly southern? Or Both. No? Both? Okay. Well, I think it puts it into perspective, as somebody's listening, there are 70, uh, roughly 70, 75 high schools in Orange County, and if any given year there's probably six or eight, I'll do the math, it's easy, if there are 10 graduating seniors, that's 750 young men are graduating, probably half of them have some expectation or at least a belief somewhere in their high school career that they were going to get drafted, when in fact it may be more like 20 that get drafted, so maybe it's it's 5%. So. So it's all about the process to try, and that's what I want to talk about tonight is the process is how does a young man in your guy's mind improve his chances of getting drafted, and, and what's it take, and, and what to expect if he's being considered. And let's, we were talking the other last week about uh, what happens in that process. Bobby, I'll start with you first. How do you, as you look at a young man and you determine you think he's draftable, tell me what the process that your organization, the Phillies, go through up to the draft day, visiting the home, those kind of things. What's that process entail? Well, what should a parent expect of his young man if he's really, truly a possible draftee? Well, it's uh, just a matter of just playing, really. I mean, uh, there's it's not... Like the move, the old movies show you where there's some kid in the stick somewhere with uh, unbelievable talent that nobody ever sees. That's that's just doesn't really happen any longer. Um, if you can play a little bit, they're going to find you. Unlike you know the Royals here, who uh, last week talked about 
having like I think you had three guys in Southern California. That's why our minor league system is better than theirs because we've got about seven guys. And we See, are, there you go. We're, we're, we're above the Royals as far as. But a minor remember, in high school, system. you still lost. Remember but Bobby that. said something. <laughs> Bobby said something about sticks, and that's why we're both scouts because neither one of us hit real well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that thing called a slider, and guys like Greg Maddox were, were the end of me. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, as far as going back to um, the draft, it's just a, it's a simple process. But it's changed now. It's almost um, taken out of the area scouts' hands in some respect because of all the showcases. Because that's what you are, Bobby, is an area right. scout. Exactly. Because of all the showcases and the national uh, showcases they have. Uh, Jimmy doesn't attend them like he used to, but there would have been a point where, you know, these kids go to North Carolina, Texas, Florida, to all these big Minnesota, all these big events, and they get basically identified and become famous at those big events. So, in a lot of cases, sometimes if if they don't have great springs, you know, it's time to get paid in the springtime, like coming up here in March for all these seniors that are going into the draft. Our hope is that they'll perform at that time of the year, right? And some during them, their high school, during their high senior school, season. exactly. And some of them do not. Well. If the the higher draft picks or the the famous kids, they're going to probably get drafted anyway because of what they've done in the past, not just exactly in what they've done that senior season. Now, it's the kids that are on the bubble a little bit that can bump their worth when they go out and have a good summer or, excuse me, spring and uh, get themselves a little bit higher on the map and get them in a position where they will get drafted and sign. So what in, in that regard, what, and this is for both of you, should a young man play 150 games a year? Should he do three sports? If if you were telling your son how to improve his chances to be the best that he can be, either at college or the professional ranks, and he's a ninth grader. I want to answer this one because I believe in this strongly about athletes. If you're an athlete, you can. if you're a good athlete, you can pretty much play any sport in high school. And I think we're limiting kids and what they do these days because we're trying to make them play baseball all year or, or just play football. I I think that's crazy. I think you become a better athlete by playing a bunch of sports. And our bodies need rest from baseball. We need a rest from basketball. You use different muscles. It's like uh, I signed a kid and it was just funny what he said about how do you get ready for spring training? He was a pitcher. Well, they shag a lot. He goes, I go and walk around the mall for six hours. And, and I said, that's outstanding. But no, but if you're a good athlete, and there's a lot in common with good athletes, and if we look back at, at Gloss, uh, Vargas, who, who's pitching for these guys, Randy Wolf, he hit third for his team and he pitched. Vargas did the same thing. I mean, broaden your horizons. I mean, just playing baseball. It can and I see it in young kids. They wear they wear out. They just they're playing so much, and sometimes it's just the parents wanting them to play more than they want to play. Play a lot of sports. It's all it's all good. What What do you think, Bobby? From your experience, because I know you do a uh, you do a club team in the summertime. What, what's your th- thought to guys in terms of how many games they should play or showcases? If you were to recommend to somebody, how how would you sort of mix that up over a calendar year? Well, I'll just piggyback on on Jimmy a little bit. I played football, basketball, baseball, and I ran track in high school. 
And uh, the coaches found out a way to make it work because they were sharing athletes. As you go across the country, and I know all the Southern California kids think they all should be first-round draft picks, but as you go across the country into Georgia and some of these other places, those kids are playing multiple sports. And athletically, I think they're getting ahead of our kids. Now, our kids are baseball rats because they play, you might even argue, too much. Because, I mean, when we talk about 150 games in, in in a year, for kids that don't train for it, it's not a good thing. I think kids are getting worn out a little bit. And, Boy, this uh, is some really good this, advice. I have to admit, I've never heard it in that perspective. But you're right. A major league guy or a minor league guy trains for 150 games, and that's all he does. It's all he does. And a young man in high school doesn't train, can't train for 150 games. That really, and, and, and I go back to what we talked about earlier was the fact that we've got parents who think that they're unrealistic. Unfortunately, and and they think that their kid's going to be the next, you know, Mike Trout or whoever it might be, and it's it's really difficult, and and the and the pressure also is put on by the coaches uh, that that tell the kids, listen, you want to be on the varsity team, you're going to have to play our sport, you're going to have to be out here, you know, nine months a year and, and play with us, and, and so they don't have a chance, unfortunately, like Jimmy said, to be able to play basketball anymore or football i mean when i grew up where we played three sports we don't have that anymore yeah and that is unfortunate but they also need to remember you don't have to be at a division one college to get drafted the royals uh, just drafted a character from the harbor high school uh and it, it's funny demarius Pittman and i were watching him pitch but we were actually watching the center fielder at uh his high school And this kid was pitching, and Pitt and I looked at each other and said, boy, that's a really good breaking ball. Yeah, but he's only throwing 83, 84, 85, and he's going to Biola. So it's like, oh, we'll just let him go to Biola. Maybe he'll turn into something. Well, little and behold, two years later, this kid's hitting 100. He's throwing 100. (laughs) And then when the draft came around, the Royals, and luckily... Uh, I don't know how they did it. Now, did you, were you scouting on that one? Stalmont? That one out? Yeah. 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 This kid's got an unbelievable arm, and, 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 and it's, it goes back to what Bobby just said there, is you don't know when you mature physically, too. There, you, I, I think some kids give up at a certain point when they shouldn't have, just because I weighed 165 pounds in high school, and I went to University of New Mexico, and all of a sudden I came home, and my dad looked at me and goes... How do you weigh two ten? I said. Well, I, I said pizza. <laughs> and he goes, "You doing more than pizza?" I said, "No, just pizza." But it, it, you just certain kids mature at a different level. Well, just for everybody's reference, if Jimmy really was 165 in high school, he became a college all American. So, and and there's a good example. Now, granted, he had some bloodlines that may have kept him motivated in high school and baseball. But to his point. 165, you know, kind of skinny and young, and all of a sudden at University of New Mexico becomes a collegiate All-American. That's a, that, that's a, that's a story in itself. Well, thank you. But uh, and it's just like you said, like Bobby said, it, it when it comes down to going to school and where you're going, there's scouts all over the country. And I like them to stay in Southern California because I'm a Southern California guy. But it it's not all about going to this school or where it's about which level you can play at. If if you're not physically mature as a kid, maybe you got to go to a JC, get stronger if you if that's your goal in mind to be a professional baseball player. 
So sometimes your choices, you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, what or your is, route, your route to get to the yeah, goal. My, the route to the goal, and, and, and there's all kinds of different routes. But if you don't play, you don't get any better. Well, talk about scout ball for a moment. How, how uh, I'm a dad, got a young man. I want him to get on a scout team. I've heard scout teams are a good thing for a young man to do. How does a young guy get on a scout team? What's that? What's that process? Uh, again, most of the scout ball teams are handpicked by the clubs, um, and it's, it's just a simple, the same thing. It, how, how many scout teams now exist in Southern California? I know it changes from year to year because some organizations believe in them, others don't. Yeah. And maybe define what is a scout team. Some people may not even know what a scout team is. The traditional scout teams are clubs that are sponsored and run by major league organizations. Um, there's a few teams that are involved now that aren't run by major league organizations, and they just kind of led them into the scout ball kind of league or system. Uh, I think it, it used to be when Jimmy and I first started scouting, there were about six teams so you can imagine kids from for all of Southern California, for all from Southern from Central California to Southern to San Diego. Wow! wow. So you can imagine the That's games. Like 150 high schools. Uh, you can imagine the wow. games that we were having with those select group of kids. There was no time to have a water and a drink because every guy that got on the bump was 90 plus. So it was a different is a different game. Not so that not t- that it isn't a good game now because it is today. How many scout teams oh, would you there guess? Might or? be 18. 18. The the Royals have a scout team here in Southern California. Uh, we 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 do not anymore. We had one for a long time. It, it just and why why did you what would you know organization? Can you share with us? Yeah, I can. Organizationally, why it, you decided is, to is that uh, we don't have we don't have any part time scouts out here anymore, and we felt as an organization we'd rather have our guys watching players and. And, and you just didn't have that many scouts to do it, and that was and and, and, we, and we know it's a it's a wonderful benefit for the clubs because you really get to know the players. I would assume exactly, Absolutely. and tangible side. Yeah, and 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 that's another thing too that uh, we haven't got into, but the makeup of a player. And when I was a young scout, I thought talent would take over for everything. It's not correct. Why don't you speak to that? I know everybody talks about the five tools. Touch on that, one of the two of you, touch on what the five tools are. But I'd really like to spend time on the intangible side. I think it's neat for parents to understand how that balance of the intangibles, and I, I know the word, but why don't you, between the two of you, kind of define the tools just for a brief moment and then, and then talk about the intangibles and what's more important relatively. Well, I mean, the bottom line, you have to have talent to play. And, but, and what are the tools? Uh, for for a, uh, a, a player, it's how fast you run. How you hit, how you field, power, those are the tools. And those things don't really change because you are what you are. But the guys that have great makeup, they never give up. What's, so what does that mean? What does that mean, makeup? I know it's not cosmetics. I call it a winning player myself. And, and I, I do major league reports, and I write it on major league players. Guys I want for the Royals, I want a winner. Some guys are selfish, don't get along with other players. You got to win at the major league level, and that goes through all the minor leagues too. Well, I would guess you're with. I mean, you guys both played. You're with your teammates a long time. If you can't get along as a group, it's not like an employment. I leave at five o'clock, and they don't have to like me. I can, you know, we go our separate ways. You guys are damn near living with your teammates. 
for that 120, 150 games? Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of guys that I played with in the minors that were big leaguers, very nice people off the field. But they brought a little nasty when they got between the white lines. And, uh, you know, sometimes people call it cockiness and arrogance and all that kind of thing. But you almost have to have it to survive the everyday rigors of being a big leaguer. And we both found out firsthand that uh, it's not easy. When I first signed and I thought and I was on a pretty good run and I got moved up really quick. Uh, I thought, holy moly. And at the, I think at the time, I think the big league minimum was like $75,000, which is like 600000 now, right? Pretty right. close to. Pretty close. I, I was thinking, boy, how am I going to spend seventy five grand a year? I'm going to be in the big leagues in a couple of years, which the, the hitting gods woke me up one morning and said, son, it's not that easy. So I went on the roller coaster ride for the next four years. But that goes back to the makeup and the mental part. You really have to be tough. And you have to live through the failure. For a lot of us, it was the first time you really, truly failed. You went, o, you went 0 for 20, and, and you didn't know how to handle it. Oh, that was only? I went 0 for 40 in one stretch, brother. Over <laughs> 40, wow. 0 for 40. And almost got in a big fight because a guy was making fun of me when I was working my you-know-what off in batting practice. And I got hit by a pitch in batting practice. But I didn't care. I, I buckled back in and got back in. And he's laughing. And I'm ashamed to say I jumped out of the cage and I grabbed him and threw him up against the cage and told him I'm trying to get better because I'm really struggling and I've never experienced this before. Wow. And, but he was one of the guys that we were just talking about, one of those jerks. So when I went in the clubhouse afterwards and after batting practice, every single guy came by and patted, just didn't say a word, just patted me on the back. <laughs> like we've been waiting for somebody to take care of that knucklehead, and that guy was the nicest guy to me. For he needs he need put in his place, Bobby, and, and, and you did it. So that's that's hats <laughs> off to you. There you go. I know differently. I still just, didn't hit just better. down in the mechanics. <laughs> how to make a player better, as you guys might recommend it. Wood versus metal. I mean, I know you know the one um, evidence of a professional baseball player is that he can hit wood, and that's really the gold standard for a host of reasons. But yet, at high school and through college. They play metal. What what do each of you recommend to a high school player? Should he practice with wood? Should he ever pick up wood? Should he not worry about it until he's told to as a professional? What what? It's different. What, how, why is it different? Why would it be better? What would you recommend? I got an idea on this one. Is 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 the weights of the bats are different? Aluminum bats are a lot lighter because and they and they've kind of solved that problem. They've they've. They've made the weight differential for 34 to this weight. But the bottom line is, on an aluminum bat, your sweet spot on the bat is a lot bigger. In a wood bat, and I, I give some kids hitting lessons, and I take tape, and I tape it around a wood bat. I say, if you can hit the ball in this spot every time, you're going to be a decent hitter. And it's just knowing how to get there. And sometimes simple is better than... A lot of different things. Muscle memory and repetition. Yep. So and the quicker you can get your hands on a wood bat as a youngster, I think you're better off. I know for the most part everybody's going to swing metal bats, in their, but they can do all their extra work off to the side, do it with a wood bat. They have bomb bats. They have composite bats that you can get your hands on that don't break readily, and they'll last a long time for you, and they'll, they'll 
you know, get used to that swing. What may be a good tip? A composite bat or a bomb bat? Is that a brand of a yeah, composite? Yeah, bomb bat is a brand of composite and probably the best one you can get. Those bats really last a long time. And I, I just uh, saw a brochure the other day, and they make them all the way down to 27-inch bats. So... You and can, where would you where would you buy one of those? Is it Dick Sporting Goods? Is no, it that simple? You, you can have go, to go online to bombat.com. Bomb B O M B B A T. No, it's B A U M. Correct. Bomb. Yeah. Okay. Bomb so bat. anybody listening, if you want to have your young man be a better hitter, you're hearing it first from Bobby and Jimmy. Right. And if Bombat wants to send me a couple pennies, royalty for check, the, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> they can also sponsor us. That'd be great too. <laughs> so I think that'd be a great idea. <laughs> so again, the, the, the reference is B A U M B A T. Go online. Dot com. Right. And you can get it down to a 27. That's really a 11 or 12 year old. Oh sure, absolutely. And again, the point absolutely. Jimmy you made is that it narrows down the sweet spot. It forces a young man to really find the sweet spot. And then when you swing metal all of a sudden it, it feels like you're swinging a tennis racket exactly and, and and they know when they get jammed in a wood bat it rattles in your hand that aluminum doesn't <laughs> rattle in your hand no sometimes they get out of the yard still that's yeah. the sad part do you think you think college should go to to wood absolutely i do but it's some kind of cost, cost thing right? yeah. yeah that cost. and you know easton and those guys making a gazillion dollars off those metal bats they don't want that to go away right it's a gravy right. train for them right how, how about Sharing of information. Does one club share information to another about a particular player? And then at the same time, do colleges share information about a college recruiter, share information with a pro scout about a particular player or high schools? What's your source of information about an amateur player? Or is it a big secret, and you don't you you find a guy and you don't tell anybody about it? Well, I'll go there. Is that you know, as a scout. You're, you're, you you were either an ex-player or you're competitive because you wanted to get the best player. And a scout that wants to get players has success. So it's probably a good idea to keep your mouth shut. But there are some kids that you might not feel after the draft that weren't ready to play pro ball at this time and, and, and hook him up with a college because you feel he's going to get better. And the only way he's going to get better is like, is playing so that that's that's how we share information and, and sometimes when it gets in the pro side it, it might be that you had this friend or that friend and, and knows knows the makeup of the kid and it's just it's a friendship thing and you got to give a little bit to get some but so what's your bobby for you the source of information about a player do you rely on other high school coaches to call you do you hear from college coaches where do you get kind of the first indication of a player possibly being good well you do try to establish a relationship with college coaches and with the high school coaches actually um doing the connie mack team as i have for over the years i've gotten some pretty good relationships with high school coaches because our my team will be made up of high school players and by the way i know it's a very good team year in and year yeah, out and quality guys figure out a way to beat the renegades here and we'll be all right but um and then the college coaches are nice too because some of those kids that you have on your team the college coaches are asking you for information about you know when so and so pitching can i see this guy do this can you put him behind the plate i want to see if he can catch because i'm recruiting him as a catcher so those relationships are nice too not only for me but when these kids get into college because you get a little bit of access to them and uh, they're more willing to be honest with you if you've done good for them by getting them, helping them with kids to say, hey, you know what? This kid's makeup is not good. Great talent, 
but maybe he doesn't have the makeup for what your organization wants. Two, two things. I know we're just about out of time. Um, one, and this is kind of a quick one for both of you, but give me your own thoughts. If you had to make one recommendation to a player or a parent, what would, what would that one recommendation be? Uh, let's, say, let's say it's a high school junior, and you're just trying to help him out to be a better to be a better athlete, a better base. What, Bobby, what would be your tip to either the player or the parent? I would say try not to, because you don't have to spend a lot of money tra- taking your kid all across the country. If he wants to go to schools in Arizona, maybe go to a showcase in Arizona and spend that money. But you don't have to be a world traveler. Um, to be a successful baseball player, especially if he's a draftable kid. If he's a kid that's looking to sign in the draft, you don't have to go to events in Florida because the guys in California are going to draft you and make that decision for you. The guy in Florida that sees you, he's going to call Jimmy and say, hey, Jimmy, I just saw one of your kids from Southern California, and uh, he's pretty good. Yeah, thank you, and click. He's done with that. He's done with him. So it'll it'll be... Jimmy, what's, what's your thought on recommendation to a kind of a sophomore or junior player, either the player or the parent? What would you, if you had to offer one salient tip? Work hard and be a good person and get good grades in school because then you've opened up all your opportunities in life. Oh, those are those are some good ones. Now, I know the last thing is, and we, gosh, we've run out of our time again. If uh, people have listened and they want to ask more detailed questions to Bobby, how would they reach out to you, Bobby, to kind of ask that very direct personal question? Well, I have a email address. It's uh, rgould, G-O-U-L-D, at somas, P-S-O-M-A-S dot com. And, uh, heck, I'll, I'll take phone calls, too. 714-334-6603. And uh, if it's something I can answer simply, uh, I'd, be, I'd love to uh, share that information. If it's something I need to get answers from. My buddy across the way here can definitely answer those questions. And, Jimmy, how would somebody reach out to you to to try to ask a question if they had something following on this? My email is jim.fergosi, F-R-E-G-O-S-I, at royals.com. And I will get back to anybody when it has to do with baseball because this is – my father taught me this, is the fans and the people that go to the games – are paying your salary. <laughs> Boy, that's exactly a, right. Keep it real important. I know, Dick, you had some things that uh, you want One wanna... last thing, real quick. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RLF16. You can reach us on our website uh, at ryanlemonfoundation.com. That's R-Y-A-N-L-E-M-M-O-N foundation.com. If you want to uh, say anything to me and to ask about a certain segment or if you want to have, have any kind of input with us, email me at dick at ryanlemonfoundation.com. And again, I'd just like to say thanks to both Bobby and Jimmy. Um, these are two absolutely class guys, over 60 years of big league experience. I hope this has been beneficial to people and follow up and reach out to them. And then on behalf of uh, Dick Owens, this is Guy Lemon of RLF Radio and reminding all of you to keep swinging for the fences.